Hello everyone, welcome back to Nerds Adulting. Today we're going to be talking with two game developers, two people that are in the biz. I'm very happy to have them on. So, I just want to thank, first I want to thank uh, Justin for coming on today. Uh, some of you who have listened, he was on my uh, GameStop uh, career podcast episode. We got to talk about some of our great and fun and sad experiences of working in, at GameStop. So, Justin, I just want to thank you for coming back on. How you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it was uh, it was a fun time remembering all them good old GameStop stories. So, I uh, can't wait to see what we're gonna dive into today. Yes, uh, and today I am welcoming, welcoming another special guest, Cassio, uh, who is in Brazil, who is another game dev. So, Cassio, thank you for coming on today. I'm really uh, excited to have you. How are you doing? Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be in your podcast, and I'm also willing to see where this conversation goes today. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, Cassie, you've never been on my podcast before, so and I know you said you listened to the song. We just have a lot of fun with it. Be you, you know, um, crack jokes. We just like to have fun with it. It's just, I have, I'm, but on top of that, I'm excited because today's today's topic is game dev. And, yeah. and unfortunately, I'm going to put this out there right away. We cannot talk about the specific titles you all are working on now because of NDAs. So I just want to throw that out there to the people that are listening. Um, so yeah. unfortunately we can't talk about that but the point of this episode is to talk about your journey your experiences the good the bad the ugly about how you <laughs> all got to where you at, are at now but yeah. so the way i start off on my podcast for new guests justin you've already you've already uh provided your nerd card to me so you have passed but um so cassio <laughs> yeah. um i wanted to ask you um, what makes you a nerd? Like growing up, what kind of things were you into as far as nerd culture is concerned? And what are you into now that makes you a nerd? Okay, so when I was growing up, my father bought this 286 computer and I learned to type before I could write uh, <laughs> with my hands. So of course, nowadays everyone has a tablet and stuff like that. But back then, uh, on the late 80s, it was very strange to type in a computer before you know how to write, okay? Wow. Yeah, and I was actually very lucky to have a computer at home because Brazil had this law that was prohibiting us from importing this kind of machines. We had very outdated computers, but we managed to get this one, which was a very nice machine. And ever since then, I began writing programs and playing video games and stuff like that. Wow, that sounds really cool. It's interesting that you say that because I've, so I, obviously I'm a big Redditor, even though probably more than I should be, even though I should be working. <laughs> But so in Brazil, I see a lot of people complain about the cost of video games. So, yeah. um, it, how much does like a Nintendo Switch cost in your country for for you? Uh, it costs two and a half times a uh, minimum wage in Brazil. Wow! Wow! Yes, it amounts to two thousand and five hundred Brazilian reais, approximately. So, wow. gaming in Brazil is sort of a, a luxury, more so than anything. Uh, 
Hardcore gaming, you can say that it is. Outside major cities, you don't see that much. But casual gaming, you know, mobile gaming, everyone plays, like everyone. That makes that makes sense, because uh, I'm sure everyone everyone has phones, right? And, and tablets and stuff. Is that yeah. prevalent in your country? So I'm sure uh, mobile gaming is big then because of the cost, or yeah. no? No, everyone plays mobile games in here, like my... My brother-in-law, he's a hardcore gaming, but his father, my, my father-in-law, he, he's a Chinese-Brazilian and he plays in his iPhone all day long. And mm. that's a common scenario, you know? Late at dinner, people will be playing whatever it is that the, that is the hot game right now. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense now. I'm picturing it. It's, uh, it's very interesting to see how lucky i guess how lucky we are in the states to have these at a fair cost you know like because um, we've been growing up with these and it, it it's kind of sad for me to hear that but it's great that you all guys also have the option to play mobile games though so um that kind of that actually makes me kind of happy to hear that <laughs> um <laughs> but thank you for sharing that that's really cool because a lot of us kind of got started um i got started because my neighbor had a commodore 64 and that's kind of like what got oh, me started and, yeah and um <laughs> using literal floppies like those things were like like legitimate floppy discs like you could bend them um and that's kind of what got me started i'm not a game dev um person i work in cybersecurity, so um i do have uh, a lot of interest in game dev i actually was talking to justin about getting a, a degree uh, a second bachelor's degree in that but that being said currently are you in are it what nerdy things are you in, into currently? Like, do you watch any shows? Uh, is there any games that you're playing? Is there anything that you're passionate about as far as nerd culture is concerned? Do you collect anything? Well, I used to collect a lot, but two years ago, I lost my house to a, due to a fire incident. So, oh, wow. oh no. <laughs> no. I gave up on collecting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, I'm currently watching Mr. Robot. <laughs> Right? And oh, yeah. Due to, yeah, great show. <laughs> due to how our computers tend to be outdated, I am really into retro gaming stuff. Yeah. I actually worked writing games for Sega Genesis during two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a very nice experience. But uh, I got to say, um outdated when it comes to TV shows or even new games, you know. I'm the kind of guy who never saw Game of Thrones and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, same. <man>. Same. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Justin, you don't watch Game of Thrones? I have rewatched that first episode like four times. <laughs> it just does not grasp me. I just can't get into it. And All everybody's right. like, oh, just get past, you know, the first five episodes. Like, I get, that's a lot of time. That's a yeah, lot just of time. watch the you first season, it. and it'll finally catch up to you, and you'll like it. <laughs> like, that's like eight <laughs> hours of your life you got to give up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, but uh, modern stuff, I like Rick and Morty a lot as well. So that I, can, I guess it, 
it counts as geeky stuff. Yeah, that counts, man. That 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 I count. Oh, Rick absolutely. Yeah, that counts. Yeah. Nerd culture is like so. I mean, growing up for me, like being a nerd was almost like a rite of passage. But nowadays, it's just pop culture. It's like anything you could collect coins, and that's considered nerd. You could watch movies. Yeah. You know, you could watch a TV show, and you could be really passionate about it, and that makes you a nerd, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And so it's pretty amazing to see how it's sort of like was this uh this black sheep culture and now it's just in our faces and it's so open to everybody and so many people are are claiming the nerd card and it's just great to see that like hey we're here it's out there this stuff's fun yeah you know what like i'm kind of i'm kind of pissed though about that because when i was a kid man i used to wear my you know ninja turtle backpack with pride but then i would get beat up you know for something like that but nowadays you're like the coolest kid like my son's got minecraft stuff and he's like the coolest kid in his class so it's like hold up you know like, what what happened here so but no i yeah, it's pretty cool i mean i think big we bang paved the way we right paved the yes way. Yeah, exactly. We, we we are the first generation of <laughs> fathers who grew up playing video games. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah. It's a question I like to ask everyone, and and you know, kind of prepare the listeners so they know like basically what you're into and stuff. I just it's a fun question I usually like to ask. So that being said. I'm going to jump into now. We're going to be talking about game dev careers, and you two obviously work in the in the, in the industry. So yep. um, I'm going to start off with education. So, Justin, I kind of know this answer because I've known you for a little while, but I'm going to start with you. So what kind of education have you had leading up to your career now, and like kind of what was that like? Can you speak on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I guess my path was kind of uh... – was shaky and rumbly. I mean, I, I dropped out of high school, junior year, made some bad decisions and, you know, eventually came around and realized I needed to sort of get my, uh, get my act together and, uh, put myself through college and enrolled into, uh, a game development, um, career, like, um, what do you call it? Path or whatever that they mm-hmm. had. It was, uh, game art and design actually, uh, I started going into programming first and I yeah. did about a semester of that and realized that wasn't for me. And I'm with you on that. And it, I mean, the main motivation was, you know, all the research programmers, you know, they, they make the most money in the industry. Um, so I was like, well, let's start there. And that just didn't really pan out for me. So I switched to uh, game art and design, which has kind of always been there for me. I I can remember back in like fourth grade, you know, designing new Mario Brother levels. And and it's just always sort of been a part of me and just doing art stuff. So I don't know why I didn't start there first. But yeah, so graduated, got my bachelor's in game art and design. And uh, yeah, from there, that's 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 where it went. Cool. Cassie, how about you? Did you uh, do? Did you go to school for any of the stuff that you learned, or was you self-taught? Like, what was your kind of education path to where you are? Kind of both. Uh, I also dropped out school, so I did a high school equivalency program, mm-hmm. and I entered college in a subject called digital games in Brazil, which is game dev. Okay. Mm. But I, I also dropped out uh, during the last semester because <laughs> I had just so so much work to do and I had to prioritize. So I, I'm a college dropper, dropped out. 
<laughs> Big right. same. I I think I I took a year break in the middle of my schooling as well, and then I, I came back to it because yeah. I think my my main problem I was doing online classes uh, to start because the campus uh, there wasn't a close location, and so learning you know 3ds uh, Max and Maya and Photoshop and and doing that on an online course basically teaching yourself was was definitely challenging. And uh, so, I mean, at one point, I know I, I took about a year off and then I found a campus that was actually close and was able to start doing on-campus uh, classes, which made the experience so much easier, even though I was still working full-time job and then trying to drive to school. And it was definitely a lot, but uh, it was it was fun. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that's kind of, it's surprising because when we're all about the same age here, we're all in our mid-30s, right? So... Um, yeah. Growing up, I remember reading an article about how s- some school, I can't remember where it was located, actually was putting in a game development curriculum. And I, I was like blown away Like at that time. I was really young. I was probably about 14, maybe 13 when I read about that. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. And now you just Google, type in game dev degree, <coughs> and you'll get like, oh, top 30 schools for game dev degrees. And you're like, oh, my God. Like it's just overwhelming. So it's um, – I think it's really cool that you can actually now go learn how most of learn how to utilize all these tools and move on and um, hopefully funnel into a career at least in the states it kind of seems like that it's like kind of like how most jobs um most degree plans work i mean we're not talking yeah about- it's 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 really interesting you know when i was growing up and the idea of doing anything work-wise for video games it was a pipe dream it was you really it had to be four guys in a garage building <laughs> stuff from scratch. Like that was that was how you did it. And then and then you know as I got older and you've seen these programs sort of open up and and the tools become accessible to people. You know to to allow them to do that without even schooling. There's so many so many of my coworkers and colleagues you know have not went to school and it was just they built up their own sort of portfolios and whatnot through just the use of tools that are available to everybody. Yeah, if you if you allow me to share my opinion, okay, I deal mostly with programming, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time I was close to graduating, I realized that I already didn't need a diploma for like three or exactly. four years because I was already so inserted in the industry, right? And we we interviewed a lot of interns. And most of the guys coming from college didn't really know how to program properly. And we realized that those who were self-taught, they, <laughs> they were the best programmers. So at least in Brazil, if you are in the field, you want to, re- you want to get to know the person and what the person knows to code, regardless of the paper. Yeah, no, that t- makes perfect sense. And almost in any, uh, in my field in IT, you get people who are straight out of college or people that are interns, and they have like all so they have all these certifications, and they come in the door and you interview them. If they can't answer the questions, you know, then they're yeah. probably not going to fit um, into what you're looking for. So um, that I think that that kind of 
that speaks to a lot of career fields actually um at least at least with schooling you get some f- sort of face time with the tools and and how to work but yeah i can totally see if you're spending years and years working self-taught stuff with coding like you're gonna know way more than someone that just did four years uh, of college because usually those classes are one semester long so i mean you can, you can only imagine how much they can cram into that one semester well, yeah. there's also sort of uh, y- y- if you think of like say um, a university English teacher, you know they're they're gonna know. Sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just edit it and post. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, just bleep it out as if I was swearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you take like a university like teacher, a, an English teacher. You know they're gonna they're gonna know how to do grammar and sentence structure and all that stuff, but they're not necessarily gonna be the one that can write you know the next great American novel. And I, I sort of equate that to, you know, programmers that, you know, have only had academic um, experience versus people that were sort of, you know, teaching themselves. You come out of it and you may not be able to be that great at problem solving in an actual environment. You can read these things, but until you're actually like in the thick of it, you know, it, it gives you such a different skill set. And I see it all the time, especially with programming, because a lot of times people think programming is so, you know, black and white. There's only, it's one language, boom. This just one option, this one line of code is how it does, how, you know, um, uh, what am I trying to say, is is how to solve every single thing. And yeah. it's not, there's there's artistry to it. It's, it's you're a chef. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. I I've dabbled in, into some coding myself. I try to do some self-taught stuff and some of the courses I've taken in IT. It's it's uh almost like an acquired taste cuz like you either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. I almost feel like when it comes to coding. It's it's not something it's not something easily picked up in my opinion. Cassio, are you going to say something? Yeah, I think that nowadays we have great tools like let's say Unity, okay? Mm. Um Although I recognize its importance because we have so many game devs now, you also ease the the entrance point to the the job. So many people begin creating games without really knowing what they are doing. They they don't even know what a game loop is, but they can download assets and and do some pasta coding, you know, <laughs> and not knowing what they are doing, they are still producing games, and that creates a, a noise in the industry. <laughs> That's, I think, it's the main issue we have right now when we have to hire people. Is that they just they just put piece it together using a game engine, and they just don't really know the ins and outs. Is what you're is that what you're alluding to? Exactly. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's when college would have been a good alternative if they studied the bare bones of a game engine instead of just instead of just using a complete one and uh, creating uh, like you you get C for instance. If you try to recreate <laughs> the standard library stuff just so you understand how it was done, you are miles ahead of uh, an average programmer. Uh, for games, this applies as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, that, well, I mean, that makes sense. Like, um, the, uh, the creator of PUBG, for example, you know, he was just a single guy and he, he modded on the H1Z1 stuff and created this huge phenomenon, this battle royale genre, and then 
when you have the the company. Man, Fortnite ruined it all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> <laughs> but when they when they took a look at his code, like they real like they said it was a mess. It was it was cowboy coding. Like he clearly didn't know what he was doing, but he was able to still put something together. Yeah, and, and create that. You know. Yeah, he had the vision for it. Like he had some he had some talent when it came to the coding, but he definitely had the vision for it, which is probably uh, a big part. Um, all right, I want to move on from. Okay, I think we're talking ad nauseum about coding. We, we get it. Coding's big. You should know how to do it to be a successful gamer. <laughs> I kind of want to move on to something else. So, um, I want to know from from you guys, like when you were playing games growing up, like what is the fondest game memory that you have? Kind of like that moment where you're like, "Wow, I wish I could." do this you know uh casio i'll let you go first okay uh i played a lot of games but the the one defining game was chrono cross mm. uh, you, yes. you kind of travel to this alternate world and when you get to the world map of the alternate world there's this great violin music and the the graphics of this tropical island all fitted together so it was a very moving experience this game actually made me cry more than any kind of art from oh, wow. across I, I can say for sure it was it's what motivated me to keep going Chrono Cross is the one that was on PlayStation and Chrono Trigger was the one that was on Super Nintendo right yeah exactly. okay all right, I just—I remember playing Chrono Trigger. I actually never got the chance to experience Chrono Cross, but that's awesome. Um, Justin, what about you? What is your fondest gaming moment? Your your Rika moment that you you know realized you wanted to do this? Um, I'm trying to think. So, I played a lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons growing up as a kid, and so like RPGs really was where I was at. That's where my gaming, all my gaming happened on the RPGs, like Lunar. Wild Arms, Final Fantasies, Coden, like all of those is where I was spending my time at. And I think understanding like sort of the simplicities and how those RPGs were made, like they weren't, they weren't graphically, you know, the best at the time. And uh, just, just sort of like how they put so much into these games where you could have hundreds of hours of gameplay all these items and stuff like that. And I, I remember there was a, I believe it was called like RPG Maker came mm. out on, on the PlayStation, I want to say. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But I remember it was remember... on PlayStation 2. I, I probably was on PS1. Okay. Before. Yeah, might have been there too. Um, but I remember just diving in and just having so much fun just like designing a hundred different types of swords and the effects that go with it because the tools they had in it was pretty expansive. It was like pretty dope. So I got a funny story what? about RPG Maker, actually. Go ahead. So I had it. I recently, a couple years ago, I bought it on Steam for PC, and my son. So he's like, he's just kind of into. I'll just put it this way: he was, he knows how to make command line scripts, and he's only ten. So, but anyways, <laughs> he's really big into games. You know, surprise, surprise. But um, I told him, hey, what do you think if I just make you a game in RPG Maker or whatever? Because he was really big in Five Nights at Freddy's. And I found out, basically, I just found a bunch of sprites online, and he really liked Dan TDM. So I kind of like made this game of like this haunted house where Dan TDM loses his pug. I don't know if you watch him, he's a streamer or a YouTuber, and he's got a pug. And basically, he goes through this haunted house, and I made the, you know, I made the, like, these triggers where things would happen and pictures would show up. I made like these like really creepy, like, things where like you trigger something and then and 
like uh, five uh, Freddy would show up in, in the shadows and disappear, and it was really cool. My son really dug it. It was actually too scary for him. He wouldn't play it because it was too creepy. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> that was my little my little gaming. My I wish I still had it. Actually, I don't have the uh, the stuff because I recently bought it again on a different account. But so, sorry, continue on. That was my little side. Well, well I mean, even like Kessia said, you you just get Unity and you could just build. That's your RPG maker right there. Everything is there for you to just build it. You know what? Actually, I kind of want to pivot real quick. I'm sorry, Justin. I'm taking over from your moment, but um, so Unity <laughs> it's my is my moment. <laughs> um, Unity is like a subscription service, right? Like you have to pay to monthly to use that one, or is no, that you don't have no. to? You don't have to pay monthly. I'm sorry, Justin. Do you want to answer that? No, Please. no. Feel free. You probably okay. you just have to pay to remove the watermark and to get the dark theme. I I think. Okay, I was looking at game engines uh, for like amateurs like me. But I thought that one was like pay. I was gonna see what what you guys thought about these uh, game development engines that like, that you have to pay um, basically a fee to. Kind of like how Adobe is gone to the Creative Cloud now, where you have to pay a monthly fee. I kind of don't like that. I was kind of wondering what you guys thought. Justin, do you want to go first? Well, I mean, here's the deal. Like it's. It's still a, a massive like tool to use and to sort of use it free of cost. I don't see the, I see that being like, wow, that's that's actually pretty generous. But if you have to pay a little bit to be able to make something that you could potentially turn into, uh, you know, a, a huge hit seller and make a ton of money, like, then I think it's okay. I think there's ones like Unreal. Doesn't Unreal um, take a percentage of any profits you make from using their tool? I think, and then, that, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. I think, Unity uh, is the free... After, uh, after you aren't a uh, given amount, uh, you have to to get a slightly high amount of profits before they, they take a piece of the cake. Right, right, right. Okay, so enough uh, of my side tangent, Justin. Back to your your moment of what inspired you. You were talking about what kind of got you into your um, inspiration to make you become to get into the field. Yeah, it was mostly just RPGs, playing those and trying to understand how they worked and the the storytelling behind them and the music and just everything as a whole. And I mean, I've I've been sort of just in it since as far as I can remember. I know that sounds stupid, but like I said. You know, back in fourth grade, you know, designing new Mario Brother levels or designing new team logos for uh, Mutant Football League. You know, just it's just always sort of been a part of my life. So you probably really like Mario Maker then. <laughs> if you haven't played uh, yeah, absolutely. Any any of the stuff where you could just create is just that's where I'm at. All right, great. So I'm moving on to uh, kind of like your uh basically what roles have you had um justin up until now what kind of roles have you had or experiences you've had up until now not what you're doing currently but what roles sure. you had and previously uh so yeah when when i was in school i was um i was also working full-time at an oil and gas company oh wow and uh i sort of worked my way up in that field uh i was a buyer i was a project manager all while you know going to school with the hopes and dreams of getting into the video game industry rather than you know oil <laughs> so yeah um as soon as i uh as soon as i finished uh college i picked up everything i moved across uh across the states went west coast because that's where all the game studios were and just 
hoped and prayed I could find something. And generally the, you know, the, the most common doorway in is through uh, QA. Um. <laughs> so I was applying everywhere for QA positions while I was still in Chicago, applying to all the studios all over the, you know, the country. And uh, yeah, I, was wondering, I actually ended up, go ahead. No, I was, just, I was wondering because that's where we knew each other was from right, we we worked at GameStop and we were we lived right outside of Chicago and that's how we met. So I was kind of curious, how did you find your way to California? Well, I just knew that's where most of the studios, the majority of the studios are, you know, in California. There was a few in Chicago and a few that actually had shut down. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, EA, uh, uh, shit, EA Midwest, I think it was the studio. Mm. Uh, the guys that made uh, uh, Fight Night. Yeah, didn't they? Sh- yeah, they shut down. So yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I was even there. Like, hey, let me let me just, I'll I'll sweep your floors. Like, let me just get in. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so I, I just started applying everywhere while I was just planning on just picking up everything and moving out here to to just wing it. Wow. Um, I ended up getting a a, a a video interview with this uh, sort of small startup company in San Francisco. Uh, they were working on developing an app for Highlights Magazine. And so I had applied to be the production designer there. That's the kids magazine, right? Yeah, the one okay. you see in all the doctor's offices. and stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so... I had my portfolio built up with a lot of art stuff from uh, school. Uh, the company I was working for uh, in the oil and gas industry, I did a lot of uh, design work for them as well, a lot of marketing, art. Um, I rebuilt their website. So I had I had a nice portfolio that I could sort of showcase. And so I ended up landing the job as a production designer uh, working on this uh, Highlights Magazine app. <laughs> so as soon as I... Uh, you know, got here to California. I was ready to start working. I was doing a two-hour commute to the city mm. one way, and uh, I just started grinding, and it it felt fantastic. I mean, it's it wasn't sort of games industry, but it was kind of there on the cusp. It was enough to be like, okay, this is a real thing for me. Like, this is something I can do. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I see a lot of parallels in my career in cybersecurity to to yours. It's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, you're just trying to get your foot in that door. You don't have the experience, but you kind of there. You know, you went to school for it, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Cassio, what about you? Uh, how did you? What previous roles have you had um, that you can talk about? Well, QA was my my door to the game <laughs> dude as well. Dude, <laughs> a common theme amongst Wait. game devs. <laughs> <laughs> but in Brazil, we didn't have uh, established gaming industry like 15 years ago. So I began applying to be a beta tester to any title I could know via internet. Mm-hmm. And I managed to play to beta test a few AAA games. And a few years after that, I was working in cybersecurity as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Coding <laughs> in my spare time. So my manager came to me and said, hey, you are into gaming. Uh, I said, oh, yeah, I like working with that. And he got me in touch with this guy who was representing a Chinese MMO company coming to Brazil. And for a few months, I was their Brazilian team. They, they hired me, 
and <laughs> we were <laughs> testing and, and dealing with content for, from five titles, if I, I'm not mistaken. We had a major title and four minor games. And before I, I knew it, I was just working with quality assurance and stuff like that and made my way to this Russian company. And I work with them. Uh, I still work with this Russian company. They do hidden object games. It's mm. like yeah. a Where's Waldo interactive game and stuff, <laughs> for those who don't know. And inside their quality assurance team, they realized that I, I always said to them, any bug I, I would find, I would say, this doesn't fit the Brazilian mark because of this and that. Nice. And they invited me to be part of their design team. So that's how I got into game design, because I had the academic background, and I made my way from college assurance to the design team. Nice. That's really cool. Well, uh... I think that's that's pretty important what he what he his experience too, Cassia. Like a lot of people I've seen grown in this industry is just from taking sort of those initiatives and those extra steps and showing who you are. I mean you kind of see that even in and I hate to bring up grandma's boy because everybody sort of talks to you when you're in the game industry. Oh, so you're like grandma's boy? <laughs> <laughs> And but there's there's a there's a defining scene in that movie where the the one guy goes to the um the head uh, nerd dude and he's like, well, we could just color swap these sprites and then we'll solve our problem for this level or whatever. And that's like that's the that's the epitome of what it takes to sort of grow and get far in this industry is by taking sort of those initiatives, solving sort of problems on the side like that, just like how Cassie explained it. Yeah, if I if I may tell a little anecdote. The, no, go ahead. The thing that got me into the design team was uh, a season that the, the game I was working on had with this Brazilian niche character. The main character was a ripoff Carmen Miranda. I don't know if you know Carmen Miranda. Mm -mm. Carmen Miranda is a, a Brazilian stereotype. She was a dancer and she had all those fruits on top of her ah, head. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Ju the Chiquita banana. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they had this major quest involving a pineapple. And for the Russian guys, a pineapple meant something really healthy. And it was a very good thing inside the game. But in Brazil, pineapples mean problem. Hmm because it's very hard to unpeel a pineapple. So every time you have to deal with something that you really don't want to deal, even if the result will be good, you say that, oh, man, I ha I'll have to deal with this pineapple. And, <laughs> and they really insisted on having the quest, and I was really trying to tell them that you cannot have a pineapple meaning something good in Brazil. You, you just can't. <laughs> So they they got me into this meeting with the, the head designer and I explained to him. So he asked about my background and that's how I, I got into due to a pineapple issue. <laughs> that that is great. That's a great story. I love that. Um That's awesome. Yeah. Alright, so moving on, I kinda wanna know so what are you guys' current roles, Cassio? What what is what's your current role now? What are you doing? What are you working on? Uh I'm a lead quality assurance 
manager, if I can say it in English. I don't know how you tell. No, that, that translates. I think so. I mean, we all know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also inside the the design team, but we don't really have a name for the roles because we have designers from several countries spread all over the world. So I don't know what would be the official name for the role anyway. Mm -hmm. Cool. Justin, what about you? Uh, so currently I'm a, a, a producer. Um, so after I uh, left the studio I was working at as a production designer, I uh, started at a new studio and I started as QA. And I did that for a few years and sort of worked my way up um, the ranks in QA and then finally transferred over to uh, production, which is uh, what I've always kind of wanted to, to go into. Mm -hmm. Just from my experience of uh, doing the project management stuff back in the oil and gas industry, I realized that's sort of where my uh, where my strengths were. It was managing people, managing projects, heading up features, things like that. So when I uh, while I was in school and doing that stuff, I, I tried to find what the equivalent of what I was currently doing in the games industry, and that was production. So uh, currently, I am a producer. Awesome. Well, that that makes me happy to hear that all the success you guys have had in this um, industry. I had a question. When you say QA, does that mean game testing or is that something different? Yes, that's that's testing. Okay. So I have a question for you guys that kind of stems from an article that came out. Um, I can't remember who did. I think Kotaku put it out. Um, how Activision, their game testers for, I think, the latest Call of Duty game, they pretty much treated them basically not like employees. Like They had parties. They wouldn't allow them to come to, to parties. Do you all have any experiences with that, similar experiences to that? Uh, or is that just something <laughs> with Activision? Or is it kind of, is that true? Is it like game testers kind of like the underlings, like don't talk to them, like leave them alone kind of kind of sort of thing? <laughs> well. I'm just curious. To know. I mean, we're, not good. we're not outing any devs because we don't know who you work for. So, you know, uh, if you don't want to answer, I completely all. understand. <laughs> no, here's here's the deal. Yeah, so, sorry, ahead. Justin. Go ahead. I'll, I'll talk later. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, so fortunately, the studio I'm at now, where I where I did actual testing work, uh, you know, it was very uh, open environment. QA was allowed to speak with the developers, uh, the designers, I should say, and so I didn't really get to experience the horror stories that you do read about and hear about, and it's it is a true thing. Like a lot of times. Um, you'll see studios where QA is in a completely separate building. They're not allowed to talk to anybody. They have to report through certain leads in order to have sort of communication between a designer. Uh, but fortunately, I haven't had to experience that, uh, but that is certainly something that does exist. <laughs> yeah, uh, if I may say, I have to stress that I, I like to work in the QA field as well, but my experience is quite different. You always have to deal with very strict deadlines. So almost always, since I work as a remote agent, right? Almost always after I downloaded the content I have to deal with, I already don't have enough time to deal with the deadline if I'm going to count the hours that they are paying me to. Mm -hmm. Of course, over the years, I managed several systems of dealing with that. But 
we always have to deliver today the work that it should have been done yesterday by someone else, but someone else messed it up and stuff like that. Mm. So it's a very stressful situation, but I'm used to it. Interesting. It's definitely stressful and it's it's underpaid, it's underappreciated. And yeah. the fact <laughs> is that it really, I mean, you can hire anybody and train them up to be a tester, but there's some actual skills there that's needed to be a good tester. And it takes a certain sort of brain to to really do well at it and it's it's completely yeah. underappreciated yeah <laughs> so that's really interesting it kind of transition uh, i'm gonna come back to some of the other questions that i have but this kind of transitions into the work slash labor um area that i wanted to talk to um so you cassio you said that it's stressful stressful for you so what is what is the work life balance like for you or previously is it like is it rough? Has, has it gotten better? I'm kind of curious to know because that's a lot. It seems to be a hot topic this year was because you had Red Dead uh, Redemption 2 before it came out. You had uh, the director or whoever from from Rockstar saying, oh, we were working 100-hour work weeks. And then you had other uh, studios. can't think of the name that did um, uh, the Sony game that came out, and they had like uh, a lot of culture issues. So kind of kind of – What's the work uh, life balance like for you, or what was it like for you in the past? Well, I think that everyone working with any kind of software deals with terrible deadlines. You know, you, you never work as as much as you were supposed to. You always work much more. Not only in the gaming industry. I, I think you you are quite aware of that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, but, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But for for me, it's kind of bizarre because Russia and Brazil have a very different time zone setting. So, oh yeah, <laughs> can imagine. Yeah, so I I have to trade the day the, the the day for the night and stuff like that. And they 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 are not very reasonable with the deadlines. So most of my waking hours I spend working mm -hmm. on their projects, and I'm. I'm also starting a, an indie dev team, so we are creating our own game, which also takes a lot of time and hard work. So basic, basically, my life is code to live, live to code. You know. <laughs> wow. There that's, you go. <laughs> that's that's well. That's really. First of all, that's really cool that you're working on your your own indie game as well i mean that's got to be really really rough but i think that's really cool uh, i think a, a lot of people a lot of devs when they really make it big it's kind of that's what they have to do you know kind of like start working for themselves and that's how they make a name for themselves you know it only you can only do that for so long um yeah. can you talk before justin i get to you about your work-life balance i want to give cassie i saw so you sent me a video of can you talk a little bit about your project your indie project or no I don't know if we talked about, but I sent you a video. Yeah, it's a yep. trailer. Yep. And I don't know if you can talk about it. Can you talk about the indie game a little bit? About what, what it's called? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the indie mm -hmm. game is 100% my intellectual property. So we can talk about whatever we want. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, just kind of before we dive in. Okay, we'll hold off on that. I'll give you a chance to, towards the end here to talk all about yeah, that because no, I'm really interested no, in it. Uh, I just wanted to talk something before before we lose the the train thought. Uh -huh. But sure. it's not regarding my game. It's regarding those who are entering the field right now. Okay, so 
the sooner the sooner you can get to create your own intellectual property the better the better because if you are living paycheck to paycheck you know that by the end of the, the month you have that amount and that's it but if you create your own game or maybe your own assets you don't have to code a game you can create graphics and sell on unit store and stuff like that you will always have a source of income even when you are not working so please if you are beginning your journey right now the sooner you create your own stuff the better that's, Absolutely. That's some great advice. Yeah, actually, you beat me too. I was going to ask you what some advice would you give out to people. Well, hold off on oh, that. Sorry. No, no, thank you. That that is awesome. This is what this is why I brought you on here. This is great stuff. I really appreciate it. Um, going back, Justin, what's your work life balance? What was it like before when you were in, getting into the industry to like now? Like, what, how has it been for you? Oh, you touch on that. Um, let's see. So. I mean, here's the deal with, you know, you're working with video games. It's one of the few careers where you sort of, like, you chose this. So you <laughs> you, you already know what you're getting when you get it. You, you know there's the horror stories of, you know, deadlines and overtime and crunch time and all that stuff. So it's like, it shouldn't be a huge surprise for anybody when you get into it. And there's also this other level of, like, passion that you bring yourself to these projects. And that passion alone will drive you to just be forcing yourself to to crunch on your own so pulling you know 16 hour days most of the time that's just because i'm an idiot and i'm like <laughs> i'm enjoying what i'm doing so i'm just gonna keep going at it and i see that with a lot of people i will and... attest i will attest justin is an idiot so i'll just let everyone know <laughs> <laughs> spoilers <laughs> uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I've 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 worked a lot of hours, and especially when you when you got a um, a feature release, an update, uh, a launch that's you know coming up in a in a few weeks or a month, it's just inevitable. Uh, projects, uh, you know, they don't run as smooth as you'd hope. And part of my responsibilities is to make sure you know we don't have to uh, run into crunch time and and all of that. But most of the time, it's just inevitable when you're dealing with software. It, it just things come up, things happen, things change. Scope has to change, and it's just what it is. Uh, but I, I enjoy it. It's, it's. I'm an idiot, like I said. It's. <laughs> I love the chaos. Well, that's a big part of like, I guess growing up. I, there's kind of things I would look back on, which kind of leads into my next question: is I wish I would have known some things and just got into something that I liked. So I think for me when I was younger, I was making decent money in retail and I kind of that's how we transitioned into my my management experience in GameStop. I was like, yeah, I'll make 30k a year. This is great. <laughs> and then really the life sucks cuz you're working like 50 hours a week and then you get dealing with like Christmas sales and Black Friday and it's just awful and you hate life. So, um there's yeah. a couple of things that um I wish I had done differently. So that being said, if you could do anything differently, would you do anything differently uh, going back to your experiences? Cassie, I'll go let you take this one first. No, I wouldn't do anything differently because it really, since since we don't have, we still don't have a gaming field established in Brazil. We have like four or five great companies and that's that, okay? So there was no other way to learn this stuff apart from trial and error you know so i'm quite happy with how it i turned it out to be career wise awesome okay great and justin what about you would you do anything differently um that's hard to say because I, I i sort of believe that you know everything i've done up to this point has been to this 
linked, so it's hard to say like, oh, if I change this, like here, I don't. But in thinking about it, I probably wouldn't have went to school for the for the industry. <laughs> I would have uh, I would have saved myself a ton of money, and I don't know. I don't necessarily feel that it helped me uh, really? get to where I'm at at really? this point. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Okay, so that, I hear that. Don't right. go to school. <laughs> Don't go to school. No. The, uh, save your money. <laughs> you are both Americans, right? Yes. 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 So student debt is a real issue in there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. In Brazil, I, I went to a public school, a public college as well, and pretty decent ones. So there, there's this huge difference. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. If I wasn't going to be in debt for the next 30 years due to schooling, like, and then, like, it, <laughs> it's just, it's horrible that our, the way our system is, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah, it's really, yeah, yeah it's really rough with uh, the debt that people, look, see, for me, I'm, I'm prior military, so I, there's a benefit you get where they actually will pay for your school, and so that's how mm -hmm. I got my master's degree in cybersecurity is they paid for it, basically, so, because I did six years in the army. And that's one of the reasons why I joined. Justin and I were chatting earlier this week, and I was like, I was thinking about going to the same school that Justin <laughs> went to, which is no longer a school. It doesn't exist. Yeah, they don't exist, exist anymore. They 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 closed down or whatever. So Justin was like, that's probably uh, you probably made the better decision of joining the army. <laughs> um, as far as my literally one concerned. year after I graduated, they closed down. Oh, I mean, that's crazy. And oh. then you're stuck with all that student debt, right? All that student oh. debt. Yeah, and the, and. Oh. When I say the stuff that I had learned there, and it was, they're sort of like pros at the school was, hey, we have industry vets that are now teaching these courses. So like, oh, that's a that's dope. Like, you can learn from people that were actually in the industry. And the problem with that, though, is, yes, you have these vets that have worked in the industry like that, but they're also not necessarily good teachers. That's, that is a skill that people is also underappreciated. And if you have the knowledge, but you don't know how to really deliver that to your students, there, there's a disconnect and a problem but there. My question was like, if you're in the industry, we're in the industry. Like, why are you teaching at a school now? Like, why, what happened? <laughs> you know, that's what my question was. Like, what should you be working on a game and not teaching a bunch of wannabe college kids? But well, I don't sometimes know. it's it really isn't for everyone. Uh, you you think you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna be playing video games all day, and it's really not. It's still no. a job. There's still yeah. There's still a lot of stresses, and at the end of the day, like you, you, you have to sort of be built for it. Yeah, yeah and you lose part of the magic of playing a game because oh my god, you yes, have that critical eyes, you, you know, yep. it's never the same again. Um, yeah, so okay, that's that's interesting. Now I'm gonna move on. Uh, Cassie, you already gave your great advice, um, Justin. I want to pivot to you now if you could give advice to any young and up-and-coming people that want to get into the field or anyone that wants to get into the field for that matter what would you what would you say uh i think the best advice i would give is just to get out there and make games right now content right now there's so many free options available to everybody to make anything sorry my dog is crazy man shut that dog oh no i'm just kidding <laughs> he's a puppy still so <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, the biggest thing, yeah, just get out there, create, make stuff. You can, you can make a game on a piece of paper, do that right now. Everything you can to make content in that is everything that can help you in the industry going forward. Cool. That's, I think that's really, really good advice. Um, 
So I kind of, I kind of want to get into some negative stuff a little bit. Uh, maybe some, maybe I actually can roll into some funny stories. What's something you, <laughs> <laughs> something you could look back on that was kind of like your biggest disappointment, like that you just wish it had panned out, or you just had a really crappy boss, or something that you know that you just kind of had to like endure and get through in this industry. Not uh, including GameStop. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't count as industry. That's retail, bro. <laughs> if anyone says that they were in the game industry because they worked at GameStop, they could just <laughs> shut the f up right now. So, uh, yeah. So, what is some? What is your like biggest disappointment? That it was just something that you did that you just were passionate about. You want to get out there, but they just said no. Like, what? What's something that you can? Touch um, on? I don't know. That's a really tough question. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. still pretty you know new to the industry mm-hmm. um so i don't have a lot of i don't know negative really experiences i mean my day-to-day is random it's it's you know one day i'm like just trying to motivate uh, an artist to you know get out of their funk and to to you know get back to creating some dope you know mm-hmm. assets or it could be like oh this this new feature we wanted to implement for the next update you know it's just not we don't have the software resources to pull together so now we got to pivot and we got to figure out a new way uh to to handle things and it's just my day-to-day is so different there's negatives there's positives in every one of it but it's there's nothing I could really talk about that's like disappointing because I just love it all. <laughs> I know you that's so it. You're such a happy dude. <laughs> like you're just I'm so positive. Yeah. I live in my I don't bubble know why I asked and you. it's nice in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, man. That's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, like because you're my friend, and I'd be I'd be sad if you know, like you had some really bad experiences. I thought more maybe there was some time where you had a cool idea and they just said, no, that's a dumb idea, you know? like. Um, well, but... I mean, I can say that I've had a lot of ideas that I've written down and <laughs> made high concepts for that I feel like uh, there's games now that have somehow stolen those ideas from me. Cause I know I thought of that shit first, like Assassin's <laughs> Creed multiplayer. I thought of that shit fucking fifteen years ago. You know, Last of Us. Last of Us. I thought about that after I saw that documentary on on uh, oh, Discovery Channel. I said that would be dope if they did a game or a movie with humans with that. And then they came out with Last of Us. I was like, oh really? Like, so yeah, that's, I guess you guys are right. You know, you have a good idea, write it down or whatever. Try to get out there first. So you know, that's a really good. Yeah. But Cassie, what about you? Do you ever have a moment where you know you just got shot down, or you just was really sad about? Yeah, yeah. I have a terrible story. Oh no! I Great. No, I'm just kidding. About it right now, because <laughs> this month, the the five years the NDA asked me not to talk about just got over, so I can speak freely about it. Oh, talk about perfect Back timing. In... This is meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about you know in. 2014, there was the FIFA World Cup in Brazil. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was beginning a, a game dev company with a few friends from college, and we got hired by a huge company to create a game that would be a flight simulator to be placed uh, in some gaming devices inside airports in Brazil. Hmm. So. Mm. Tourists coming to Brazil would use a Kinect-powered game where you would open your arms and fly like an airplane and pass through some rings and display some advert game stuff, you know? And it was a very neat project. We were like 80% done 
but right then this huge company got involved in the biggest uh, corruption scheme oh. our country oh. ever faced. We are still this day dealing with this corruption scheme. Yeah. Wow. So we, got, we not only got shut down, but I never saw a penny of the money and I had people to pay. So it was, it did set me back a few years in life. You said this, <laughs> was, this was for Connect. You yeah, it, it was a computer game, but it used Kinect to trace the player's movement so he could act like oh, a man. plane. That's like kind of double whammy because Kinect has failed too, so you can't even take what you did with that and implement it in, you know, like what you <laughs> yeah, learned from yeah. that game. You can't implement it in a new Kinect game because no one has a Kinect anymore. It just failed. Yeah, <laughs> I still have the, the game, but <laughs> I, I won't do anything with it because that's hard. <laughs> yeah, but, well, that's interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's a really interesting story. It's sad, so I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds like... <laughs> no problem. Yeah. It was a great experience anyway. Yeah. Um, that's what we all say when we have See, optimism. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's trying to he's trying to get us to just shit all over this uh, industry. <laughs> I, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, video game devs is it sucks, man. You don't want to do this, no. But I, I'm a huge fan of video games. Obviously, since I was a kid, you know, like I said, Commodore 64, Atari, Nintendo. I had a Sega Master System, and I for a long time I wanted to do game dev, but I just didn't see. Uh, I went the monetary route. I went. I went for the money grab. So that's why I come. I got into uh, security. So um, I felt like that I could be monetary more successful monetarily um, by getting into cybersecurity. And it's also a very interesting field, and I love it. But I kind of part of me wishes I would have, you know, went into game design because of my creative side and how much I love to just write stuff that's what i do i i write stuff i want to make games using these game engines like i said so i have a huge love for video games and it's great that i get to talk to you guys about it because um, you guys have different perspectives and it's just really cool really cool stuff um before we're kind of winding down our time here i usually shoot for about an hour um so yeah. kind of we're kind of winding down on the time here but i want to ask you guys a couple more questions um that being said, going from the sad stuff, let's go to a little bit more happy thought. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite moment that you've had since you've been in the industry? What was that moment where you just like you look back on, you're just so proud of, you're just so happy of? Uh, Cassie, I'll let you go. I'll let you go first on this one. Well, um, back when I was working with MMOs, uh, we had a player from a very far away city in Brazil a very poor city and he was spending like three salaries a month okay oh wow and yeah so i spotted a red flag and i actually bought a plane ticket and went to visit the guy to see if w there was something wrong because the math didn't didn't quite match it you know he couldn't be affording to spend all that money mm -hmm. and stuff and I got to meet him. He he had some psychological issues. He was going through a very rough time, and we became great friends. He he kind of got things back on track, and now now he's married. He he has a little son. We still we still talk with each other every once in a while, and that was something that uh, I did just because I felt that was something wrong with the guy. No one told me to do it, and it really helped him to to 
get back, you know, not just play the video game. I know we, we create video games. We want people to play all the time. But this guy had several issues he had to deal with, and he managed to do so because I went there and told him, come on, man, you, you can do better than that. That is an amazing story. Holy yeah, that's... That just I'm not gonna let you answer this question, so you can just <laughs> stop after that. But no, you already found the hero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think your answer is gonna be up to part. No, but that is an amazing. Holy, I don't. That just blew me away. Like that story you just told me. I could. Could you imagine the states if a game dev saw you like someone spent? Because like that that whole uh, the mobile. I feel like the mobile game. Um, economy is just really frowned upon right now with all the microtransactions and the predatory tactics that can be used on some games. Yeah, and I think it kind of loops in everybody. But for you, someone, a dev who worked on this game, to actually take their time to fly out to me—that is an amazing story. That dude, that is, uh, that is a great story, and I thank you for that because yeah, exactly. <laughs> That is an amazing story, and I, I don't care if you were making it up. I still want to. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that, no, that's really cool. No, no, this one was very specific one, and I'm sorry, my my dog is barking. No worries. Um, <laughs> the thing is, those who work in the MMO field know the the struggles that people that the players go through. If you have ever been a community manager or uh, even a GM you know that you have a huge responsibility. Like if you lose someone's inventory, the person mm. may end up shooting him or her herself. So yeah. it's something that people have to take extremely seriously. Mm -hmm. yeah. I work in, uh, yeah, my current project is an MMO and you know we just had uh, a problem where you know characters <sighs> were getting their levels reset and you see how impactful something like that is. and. You know, with an MMO, it's, you know, it's a community for people. People, you know, they, it may sound silly to some, but it's, that's their life. They live in these game worlds and they make friends. They make, you know, relationships out of these. Yeah, and, they, and... they marriage. We have a lot of Ragnarok <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, game, gamers can take stuff, that stuff seriously. And sometimes they can go a little bit overboard. But, all right, Justin, what you got, man? What was your, one of your favorite personal moments? since you've worked in this industry um let's see well i saved a baby <laughs> on a train once and uh <laughs> it was on my way to work you know no big deal um <laughs> uh no i think i think um you know just the proudest moment for myself was you know, day one, as soon as i got to california i took a i, I drove one hour up to get to a train, to spend another hour on that train, to get into the big city, and I'm walking down the streets or up the hills, I should say, and with my uh, with my my bag, with my laptop, and just going on day one to be a production designer in 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 semi games industry, and it was just like, holy shit, I made it. That's cool, man. <laughs> that, that's, that's that's really amazing. yeah. It's. To do what you love, I mean, I can attest to that. To finally get into do, doing something that you, that you love and that you're happy and you finally, you know, you have a good job. That that feeling is unlike anything I've ever had, so I totally can relate to that. Um, and that's that's and really cool. And I'm happy for you, man. I'm really, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. 
I mean, we we came up from uh, <laughs> the the lower bowels of GameStop to successful <laughs> careers in our respective fields. So, um, all right. So I got I only got one more question for you guys. I kind of want to since you already. Cassio, you already brought up uh, about fans and stuff. Have you, have you yet? I was gonna say, have you had any interesting interactions with fans? But I think that's like the yours takes the cake, <laughs> Cassio. But, um, no, so you see a lot. Um, like I feel weird. I don't like. To, uh, it's just me. Per- maybe it's just me. I don't like to bash a game if I don't like it or if it's bad, unless it's something like I don't know if you guys follow NBA Two K. That whole that whole mess of a game is really bad, and that's the only game I will comment on because of what's been going on with it. But very rarely will I crap on a game or talk trash about it, just because I know how hard people work on it. You know, some you don't know the work yeah. that people put into this, right? So that made me think. I see these comments from whatever we're looking at Steam or on Google Play or the Apple Store. Uh, what kind of interactions have you guys had via social media or with comments uh, with fans? What kind of interaction? What is an interesting interaction you've had with the with the fan? Or do you say anything to people when you see these? Or do you feel like do you wish you could? Justin, I'll let you go. Um. So I don't know. Just now that I'm sort of still new to the industry, I'm a little hesitant with the way social media has been going these days. So I sort of take a backseat to it all. But uh, I think Cassio pointed it out uh, earlier about getting a critical eye after working in the industry. And you sort of, even when you're just talking with friends and, you know, they start sort of getting down on a game, like, why can't they just fix this or this and this? (laughs) And you sort of, you have this sort of new uh, um, view on, on what it actually takes. Like, no, actually, you know, implementing a character creator is actually very hard and takes a lot of time and money. It's not just something you could easily put together. And so you, you sort of have a different viewpoint when you when you talk to people about bugs that they might find or reasons why a game is not doing as well as they hoped or, you know, the design decisions. Now, some of that can be warranted, but there's also a language that is used that you learn when you're in the industry that sort of doesn't, there's a disconnect between the player and a working developer. Cool. And it really changes your outlook. Awesome. Cassie, what about you? Any, what do you think about the comments and stuff that people put out there with your games? It, things change it a lot because nowadays it's very hard not to be, it's very difficult not to be biased because you before you you buy a game you will see a bunch of reviews youtube videos people streaming so you don't get to form your own opinion unless you really try to avoid seeing any spoilers and stuff like that you know back in the day we didn't have internet we would just buy a game from the shelf and mm-hmm. let's see what it what this thing is so a complete game a finished game but, but I had. <laughs> so uh, I I wrote for a few magazines and blogs reviewing games. I never said anything really bad about a game. I tried to give constructive feedback, mm-hmm. and I also have been on the other end of the the stuff because we had this failed project a few years ago. It was a very good concept. But the implementation was not so good. It was a puzzle platformer game. And people on Reddit just said a lot of nasty stuff about our game. Mm. Mm. But, but then I, I told them, like, OK, guys, I know you didn't like it. And thanks for the feedback. But 
just please remember that there, there are people coding this this stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> people kind of realize that, oh no, I, I mean, this this is a, a nice project, but not not in a pity way. They they tried to see that okay, you are not there yet, but we don't have to use you know such nasty words. We can yeah. give constructive yeah. feedback yeah. as well. So I think that all over the internet, we just gotta calm down and try to focus on what's going right in the right direction and politely point the right direction yes. for... be courteous on social media good luck with that bro no um... I, tell you, I i do not read my forums after we posted a new update or a new uh feature i just i can't do it to myself oh my god it's... is that they broke the game oh my god my my dps Change? is chilled yeah my dps is awful now you totally broke the game oh this this character is op like i know I, i'm that guy but i don't comment like that but we you know you talk about certain things like that but I, I guess because I've matured over the years, I know that people work hard on this stuff. And it's hard for me to... I see when people talk crap about a game. I think like Escape from Tarkov was one that I saw a lot of people were at one point giving a lot of hate towards. And I just... Even PUBG too. But I'm like, these people are working hard on these games. And, you know, like... I think when there's not a face, when you're actually... There's not a human element. Oh, for sure. It's a lot easier for them to be like, oh, like you guys suck. And then realize... And criticism is fine. It's it's totally fine to have a negative viewpoint uh, against something that's... You can have your opinion. You can criticize all you want all day long. But as soon as you start saying stuff like, you know, you guys should die. How how stupid are you for doing this? Like, that's... That's not going to make any change. We're just not going to read your stuff. Like, what are you, what are you expecting out of that? Yeah. And then you make it hard for us to find any sort of real feedback because you have to peruse the forums and you you might want to see like, okay, where, what can we do to change? Where did we screw up? Did we yeah. where were we off the mark? And if you got nothing but posts of like you guys suck, you, you're just not going to be able to find the actual good critiques that you can actually take action on. Yeah. So long story short. Be cordial and polite on social media exactly. to these game devs. We're I, real people. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so that's all. That's that's all I have, guys. So I'm gonna bring it, bring it on home. First, I want to say thank you guys for doing this. This turned out to be a lot of fun. Uh, these are some great stories. I don't think I'll ever hear. I don't think I'm gonna hear another story like what you told me today, Cassia. That was a really really <laughs> cool story. And I'm thank you for doing that because I, I think a lot of devs. <laughs> should probably follow in your footsteps and not just not always about just making money you know it's about connections with you know we're, exactly. everyone's human so um some of us are i guess but uh, <laughs> so again Cassio, back thank to, you. i went the monetary route yeah <laughs> it's all about money it's about how much money you make that's all that matters but no thank you guys for doing this justin thank you for coming back on it's always a pleasure thank to talk you with so you yeah um cassio thanks for responding you're the only person actually responded and i'm really happy you did because this was a lot of fun so um thank you so much for having me um yeah no problem thank you if you guys is there any guys any social media that people can reach out to you i will put it in the description so they can as a link but if you guys have a social media what how can they reach out to you or email yeah um you can reach out to me my, via my email, it's Casio at sinz.com.br. So it's Casio at sins.com.br. And 
in the description you guys will find out how to spell Cassio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put all in the description. Um, do you have yeah. social media? Do you have like Twitter or anything? <clears throat> no, I, I don't use Twitter. I, I okay. only use Reddit. You can. All right, cool. If you want to. <laughs> all right. Um, but just... uh, I'll trust you to leave the link in the description. Sure. Yeah, yeah I'll do that. Justin, how are you? How can they reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Genesis or ghn uh you can also come follow me on twitch at uh twitch.tv slash genesis underscore hgh underscore gh twitch is 48 most entertaining streamer <laughs> give me that follow baby uh and then uh shout outs to uh you know the gamers haven network a nice uh, little community that i run um we are a network of streamers gamers viewers and just awesome people so all yeah. you content creators come give us a shout yeah gamers haven is really really cool group if you're into streaming or you want to watch some up-and-coming streamers or you want to stream yourself it's a really cool uh, uh uh community also i forgot to mention we didn't get to talk about your game casio but i will also put whatever link you give me in the description as well so people can check out your indie game that you're working on it looks really cool i suggest everyone check it out um sure, that, excited. Yeah. i want to see it yeah, so that being said, uh, just want to thank you guys, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and uh, take care. Take care. Bye! Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Nerds Adulting, a podcast where grown-up nerds discuss being an adult and how nerd culture influenced us and still is. On this podcast, I invite special guests to discuss certain topics that include parenting, violent video games, television, movies, streamers, game developing, and anything else considered part of nerd culture. I've been a nerd my entire life, and even as an adult, I'm still vested in nerd culture, whether it be TV, movies, video games, or technology. I'm also a parent who unsurprisingly rubbed off on my children, who are now developing their own nerdy interests as well. I love the aspects of nerd culture and how it intertwines with us now as adults. How do we juggle our hobbies along with being a husband or wife, our jobs, being a parent? This is what this podcast is about, how we still are nerds even as adults. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now, so when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist.